Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. Um, I had a stupid joke that I meant to tell you last week, and I forgot. So, what did the O say to the Q? I don't know. You sick fuck. Tuck that back in. Those little things sticking out the bottom there. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's... Stupid joke. That's horrible. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's what we're looking for. Stupid. (laughs) That's really stupid. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I did a happy hour. Awesome. And I also picked one that you have not seen. Okay. And this was a bit of a surprise to me because I chose a documentary and I turned it on and it turns out it was a three episode series. So there were like three hour long um, parts to this. So we will probably cut this in half. So we'll do... Part two next week. Okay. So I chose Don't Pick Up the Phone. It's on Netflix. And it is a true crime. I went true crime this this week. Okay. With the documentary. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay. So I'm just going to tell you about it. Episode one. Starts off with the title of the documentary. And it shows a male picking up the receiver to a payphone and dialing. This is the intro. Okay. Okay. Uh, Then it shows a shot of a McDonald's sign. And we start to hear the news report, quote, Now to an unbelievable hoax that police are saying many people fell victim to. A caller pretending to be a police officer was apparently convincing enough to talk some of the managers into sexually abusing some of their fast food employees. You know what? I think I've heard of this, but I did not. I have not seen the documentary on it. I've heard something about it before, though. Right. And this this happened in late 90s, early 2000s. So um, but we'll get we'll get to why you didn't really hear much about it. Mm hmm. Okay, so then we get to a clip of a girl, and she's stating that she was told if she didn't submit to this search, she would be arrested or lose her job or both. And they have video of all this happening. Okay, this one particular girl. Uh, The police are still shocked. Never seen anything like it and haven't seen anything since. Then the people that fell for this are on camera, and they're telling us that the guy on the phone is telling them everything to do take off clothes she states that there are prob there probably wasn't an area that he didn't touch on her okay so we're just hearing clips from these yeah. victims yeah okay so they had the person that's calling had the person that was talking to them describe these workers what they looked like what everything looked like even the size of her bra Um, And then they also said that they were checking her for drugs, which doesn't go along with what is coming up. Okay. Uh, This guy was amazing at the psychology that he was presenting through the phone. And there was no way to know who this guy was, but they knew that this was a very bad guy. Okay. 
very uh that's what the police have come up with so far they didn't know who he was but they knew he was fucking bad Mm. and he was capable of doing bad things he committed the perfect crime no one knows who he is and there's really no way to find him but now they have a sexual predator on the loose and calls are still coming in every day okay so that was kind of just like an intro and now we are in mount washington kentucky This is a good place to live. Not a lot of crime. Then retired detective Buddy Stump is his name. Don't. (laughs) He comes on camera. I know, right? He needs to be like a horror movie actor. (laughs) Oh, poor guy. I know. (laughs) He's actually kind of like he's super old and but he's kind of cute. Like you could tell he was cute when he was younger. Yeah. Um, so he comes on camera and he's driving through his little town. Uh, he was at home. He said, minding my own business when <laughs> he got this call about this McDonald's case. So he was assistant chief at the time. So he got the call and he asked him what he was doing, said he didn't know how to explain it to him, but some bad stuff was happening and they needed him to come in. So this was April 9th, 2004. He was a rookie detective at the time. He'd only been at it for three weeks at this point. So he goes to this McDonald's. Um, they are still doing business in, like customers everywhere. Of course they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, cops, cop cars everywhere and people coming and going. He goes through the kitchen and back down a hallway. He said it was crazy. He said people were running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And in the atmosphere, he could feel that everyone was upset. So something was happening and they couldn't believe it had happened. That was the impression that he was getting. He saw the victim in the back office with her head hanging down. So she was obviously upset. The manager was upset. The assistant manager was upset. And he was thinking, what the hell have they got me into? Like, what the fuck is going on? So they were trying to explain what was going on, but what they were saying didn't make sense to him. He couldn't comprehend what the fuck they were telling him. None of it made sense. One thing that he did get was there was a phone call and then they tell him that there's video of exactly what happened. And he's like, what? What the fuck? So they have CCTV footage of everything that happened. He's like, "Okay, let's see it. They start the video. Uh, There's no sound. But the assistant manager, Donna Summers, you can hear her on the phone or you can see her on the phone call. Then we see uh, Connie Leonard. And I also want to bring up this is a lot like the last documentary I watched where they just switch back and forth so much. Mm-hmm. So try and keep up with me on that. I apologize. Uh, but we have Connie Leonard on here. She is a news anchor. and She starts talking about Donna's side of the story. And Donna was... Donna is the assistant manager. She is the one that originally takes this call. Okay. So one night, Donna answered the phone call at the restaurant she works at. It's a police officer with the Mount Washington Police, which is where she lives, the small town that they're in in Kentucky. And she's about a mile away from uh, Mount Washington. He says he has her manager and also a corporate representative of the McDonald's that she works at on the phone with him. So she thinks there's a police officer, her manager, and then a corporate representative for her job. Um, He has some very serious business to talk about. 
One of the employees has been accused of stealing money from a wallet from one of the customers from there um, and describes the employee as petite with dark hair. Very fucking vague. Mm-hmm. And Donna's like, yeah, I know exactly who that is. She's right here. <laughs> so Buddy's back. And he's describing this video that he's watching and says, you can see the young lady go into the office and they talk a bit back and forth. And the young lady is Louise Ogborn. She is 18 years old. She, uh, she's working there because her mom has health issues and she just recently lost her job. And she wanted to help out her family to not be homeless. So really good girl doing what she's supposed to be doing. Young, 18 years old. She also was not scheduled to work that night. So they were extremely busy and she offered to help with the dinner rush. She wasn't even supposed to be there. So Donna takes her back into the office. And now here here we have Louise talking about what happened in 2007. And she says that she had been accused of stealing some money out of a customer's purse, which she was obviously upset at the thought of someone calling and telling lies about her mm-hmm. obviously yeah the person on the phone tells donna that they can do one of two things they can come and arrest her at the restaurant or if she wants to help them out uh, they need her to conduct a strip search to see if she has the money on her so louise is back talking and she starts describing what happened next so Donna's told her to empty everything out of her pockets. Uh, so she, you can see her on this video start taking everything out of her pockets, putting it on the desk. And then she turns her pockets inside out. So like obviously she has nothing on her. Mm-hmm. So Buddy comes back and is talking again and says that another assistant manager comes in at this time and they start putting trash bags over the windows and doors. So you couldn't see in from the hallway and see what's going on. So Connie's back now and says that it's really hard to know what Donna was going through at this time. Most people say that I would never believe a person on the phone telling me to conduct a strip search. But the sounds very legitimate. He's calm, giving instructions, sounds authoritative. And Donna is obeying all of these commands. Even Louise is hesitant, but she still complies. She's saying that she hasn't done anything, but probably figures, okay, you know, if I do this, they'll leave me the fuck alone. Mm -hmm. I I obviously don't have anything on me. And she's only 18. She's 18 fucking years old and obviously, like, loves to help people. She wants to do the right thing. She's a good girl. So this whole thing is fucking infuriating. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so Buddy comes back and says that after after that, it just be, the whole it just becomes more bizarre. First, one article of clothing comes off, then another, and then he's like, "What the hell is going on right now?" He yeah. cannot fucking believe what he's watching. Next thing he knows, she has nothing on but underwear, and then those fucking come off too. Oh my gosh. And he's like, okay, now we have a completely naked woman standing in a McDonald's office. What is going to happen next? And can't imagine what he's thinking. I can't imagine what he's thinking right now. Okay, so now they are an hour into this call. Okay. She's still in there with nothing. 
They give her an apron to cover herself up and she is trying her best to cover herself up with this apron, but it's a fucking apron. And then we go back to Louise in 2007. We hear her interview and she's saying pretty much the same thing. She's sitting in there with nothing on, obviously mortified. Then Buddy says that he watches them bag up her personal stuff and take it out of the room. The person on the phone told Donna to take her stuff, including her car keys, and take them to her car. Her clothes and everything? Yeah. So Louise realizes now that she has to get through a restaurant full of customers to her car with nothing on. And then what? She's fucking stuck where she's at right now. Wait, so the 18-year-old girl has to go put her stuff in her car? No, they did it for her. But she's now stuck in this office with nothing but an apron barely covering her. And she realizes, if I am to get out of this office, I now have to get through a crowded restaurant full of people out to my car across a restaurant or across a parking lot. And And then what? Like... What are her fucking options yeah, right the now? the whole thing is just ridiculous. It's insane. Okay, so now Louise is talking again, and she doesn't know if someone is waiting for her now, but she she has no choice to wait, or no choice but to wait. So Buddy's back on and says that she hasn't just been victimized with this strip search, but she, now she's a fucking prisoner in her own place of employment. You can see on her face how upset she is, and she's crying. She's traumatized. I mean, that's ridiculous. It is horrible. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, we'll get into it. It's horrible. It makes you wonder what, you know, whenever you hear stories, what would you do in a situation like that? Well, and later on, um, I'm going to talk about like they they do go into it because that's the first thing that everyone thinks like there's no fucking way i would ever Mm -hmm. fall for something like that but we'll talk about that okay okay so talking about louise she was a good girl she grew up in a strict military household and always did what she was told she was taught that it doesn't matter if if an adult tells you to do something, you do it. No questions asked. Mm. Which is how a lot of people, especially in the Midwest, were raised. Yeah. We were raised to respect our elders. Mm-hmm. Period. Okay, so then we're back to the surveillance video. And you see a man come into the office. It's a middle-aged man. No uniform. No apron. And Buddy's like, okay, is this guy is not a McDonald's employee. So what's he doing there? Is is he in on this? So at this point in the video that, you know, Buddy's still watching, hours have passed while all this is going on. And they're still on this call. They're still on the phone with this dude. And Donna is also trying to run a busy restaurant at the same time. And... She starts asking questions as to why is this taking so long? And he always has a, an answer for whatever she has to say. Uh, we're on our way. We we don't have many people working today, so just bear with us. And um, he sounds legit to Donna, um, but she also has to get back to work. She's got a job to do. 
So this guy tells her, well, do you have a man in your life that you trust? Husband, boyfriend, someone you can bring in to watch her until we get there? And Donna says, yeah. My God. My fiance, Walter, he can come in. Why the fuck not? the fuck oh my god i know i donna is a fucking moron yeah and i can i it's so hard it's so hard to say that because you honestly don't know how you would react in this situation and like i've said before on the podcast phone calls freak me the fuck out Mm. i don't know why i can't see these people and you know now that i'm older you know i Definitely. And I I can specifically remember how I thought when I was 18, 19 years old. Oh, I remember yeah. immediately jumping to things a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, as I'm getting older, I stop. I think in a process. I think mm-hmm. things through. It's very different now. Yeah. Donna is my like my age. Hmm. Okay. Taking this called his this call. Also, her fiance Walter is an old man. Keep that in mind. But also, you never know how you're going to react in these situations. God, I would hope I wouldn't just take some person on the phone's especially, word. Especially asking to do something horrific. Yes. For hours. Yeah. Hours. I, and then bring in a man? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. That is where I would be like, okay, <laughs> um, no, I'm going to give her her fucking clothes I back and she can sit here and wait on you guys. I would be, I I would hope, anyway, that I would have stopped it before the clothes thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would have been like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Wh- Why the- does, no. Well, and then. We'll just wait for you to get here. Exactly. That's, that, that is, that was my point the entire time I was watching it. I was like, I would immediately say, absolutely not. I will wait for you. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, so you come can on. Show, you can come in. Show me your credentials. Absolutely. And then if you need, like, I don't see why that's necessary. I'm, I'm not a policeman. Well, especially, I'm well. This was early 2000. That's still. No. Police wouldn't do that. Exactly. They would never call you over the fucking phone. Well, they wouldn't call you over the phone. And especially for something, a a supposed crime. Right. Of stealing some money out of a wallet. Someone's word for it. They're not going to have you strip search somebody. They wouldn't have your boss strip search you absolutely and see that's my point when it comes to like the age thing i could see if i was a 20 year old manager i could honestly see myself doing something like just trusting someone that says they're an authority figure you said she's your age right the the manager that took the call was like yeah like our age that's unacceptable it's absolutely you should know by by that time in your life that there's a process to things. Yeah. They're, like, cops especially don't do shit like that. Well, not only... They don't do stuff like that over a, such a small crime. Stealing money from someone's wallet is not... You're not going to be strip searched for something like that. Absolutely not. Period. And it, and it was like $50. It's just... It's so... 
this woman was a fucking idiot. She is. And, and well, it gets better. Oh, my God. <laughs> it gets better. Oh God. And, unfortunately, she's not the only idiot. Oh, God. In this situation. <laughs> You're going to, it's going to blow your fucking mind. Okay. And it gets worse. It gets so much fucking worse with old people that should know better. Doing this to an 18-year-old girl. Oh, my God. I hate it. Okay. Okay. So, she's like, yeah, I can fucking bring my fiancé in, Walter. So, Buddy's back on, and he says, you know... Okay, like, sorry. Yeah. Just the fact that she's willing <laughs> to bring in her fiancé into a room with a an 18-year-old naked girl. Mm-hmm. That alone... I mean, she's a fucking idiot. I know. Oh, God. Listen to how dumb her oh fucking fiancé is. Oh, my God. It gets so much worse, Jody. Oh, okay. my God. Okay, listen. So, Buddy's back. And he literally, he's like, what part of this did you think that this was the right thing to do? Like, he's like, what the actual fuck? So Donna leaves. She's working. Walter takes the phone. And he's listening to this guy give instructions. And he tells her that she she needs to drop the apron. Which she does. And Walter takes it. Of course Walter does. Because Walter's a douche. Male. Yeah. Then the police officer says, well, we need her to do some jumping jacks. What? No. Yeah. Run in place. Have her shake. We need to see if she's hiding anything. She's naked. She's naked. This has been going on now for nearly two hours. Was Walter in on this? Listen, just keep out. Uh, So jumping, shaking, standing on the desk chair just goes on and on on and on during this time from time to time donna would go back into the office and you can see every time that louise is able to cover herself back up with the apron uh so donna doesn't think anything new is going on Hmm. uh now louise is getting she's getting worn down mentally at this point obviously Uh, yeah it would have taken me two minutes to be like fuck this um, and she's also getting zero help from Donna, this woman that sh- is her manager that is supposed to be protecting her employees. Mm-hmm. And she's doing literally the exact opposite. At one point, you can see Donna come in the room and Louise is not covered and very close to Walter. And she still does nothing. Nothing is done by anyone. Uh, Louise has has to feel so fucking alone, and she says she was she was doing what she had to at this point to survive. She she thinks that her life is ending. Like she's she's so worn down at this point. She even talks to the guy on the phone at one point, and the caller her the caller is telling her to say yes sir, no sir, and if she doesn't, she'll get punished. Oh my god, she's petrified, and she like she literally thinks that she's gonna die. Well, Buddy comes back on and is talking about Walter Nix. So Walter Nix is the fiance. From all accounts, was an upstanding guy, family man, churchgoer. He was even a little league coach and everyone trusted him. Uh, But evidently, he was so out of his element with this guy talking to him on the phone. Every moral fiber that he had was lost. And the more the video goes on, the worse it gets. He had the young lady bend over his lap and was spanking her. She's naked, by the way, to the point where you could see red marks on the video. It Like the spanking goes on for like 20 minutes. Poor Louise is scared, humiliated, 
probably furious and fearing for her life, simply doesn't know what is going on and getting no help from any grown people. It is fucking ridiculous. It's beyond. So we hear her talking again, and she says that she was crying the entire time. He had already hit her, beat her, and didn't know what else he would do. She was too scared to stand up for herself. And as the video goes on, Buddy says that it turned into a dark hour. Okay, so this was after all this. The last hour was Mm -hmm. the dark one. Oh my gosh. So Walter is then instructed to have her sit on his lap and he needs to check her for alcohol on her breath. So he needs to give her a kiss. Oh my God. For the next hour, he's going through all kinds of things until he tells Walter to perform a sexual act and Walter tells her to do so. He had her perform oral sex on him. There is no way Walter is not involved in this. He's apparent. He's not. He's not. He's just a fucking piece of shit that allows a phone call to eliminate any moral fiber that he had. A phone call. He was a churchgoer, too. Let me point that out. Very, very susceptible to believe bullshit. Oh, Louise says she was numb. She had to disassociate herself. She went to another place. Obviously, she was being fucking raped. Mm-hmm. But he cannot believe what he is saying, and he is fucking pissed. He should be. This young lady has been physically, sexually assaulted, and he's thinking, what am I going to do? He's the chief of police. So at some point, this Walter guy must have realized that he did something fucked up, so he takes off. Well, of course. And Buddy has seen enough, and he knows that he has a felony that has occurred, and he told his officers to to go to Walter's house and bring him to the station because he now doesn't have just the guy that's on fault, or at fault, but he's got Walter as Mm -hmm. well. Yep. And fucking Donna, too. Absolutely. Which, um, they go to trial, so... So just because some fucker on the phone is telling you to do something doesn't mean you have to do it. So now Donna's like, what am I going to do? Because I got this guy on the phone um, and tells me that I need I need someone to watch this little girl for no reason. So I better get some other random man to sit um, with this naked girl. Obviously, right? That's like what you do, right? So she brings in the off-duty custodial worker. No. He gets on the phone, hears a few words from this guy, immediately says, absolutely fucking not. Oh, good. And hangs the phone up. He's like, this isn't right. (laughs) The one person. Yeah, one person, finally, after three hours on the phone. One person. He deserves a medal. He fucking does. So he's the only one with enough common sense so far to tell Donna that she that it's not real. And she's like, oh, what? 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 Idiot. Oh, my gosh. And then finally, everything stops. Uh, then they realize they've been scammed. You think? <laughs> OK, so Buddy starts to wonder who this guy is that made this call. Surely he's not an officer. Uh, how can they get anything out of someone calling on the phone? Mm-hmm. So he thought it must be the power that he wants to feel. It, it, like, what else is he getting on? Like, why? Yeah. Why? 
So it has to be the power. He knew he was able to get these people's in these people's heads and have them act like actually comply, which is fucking crazy. I wonder if he called other places first and they're like, um, no, he absolutely practiced this. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to how many fucking calls there were. Oh, OK, so now he knows that he has to take the victim statement. This man is so emotional throughout this, he, this whole thing. You can tell it really fucking bothered him. And he felt so bad for Louise. He's almost crying when he states that he sat across from her, looked her in the eye and realized it was his neighbor. No. He knew her. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, he's still really trying hard not to cry. Yeah. And he was like, Louise. And she's like, yeah, buddy, it's me. Oh. So he was friends with her dad, and that hit him really hard. Uh, the case became very personal. He was pissed before. Now, really fucking pissed. It gave him more drive and determination. He said, I'm going to find who the hell did this, and I'm going to put their ass in jail. So he's the only. he was only an officer for three weeks at this point, and he's never even seen a case like this one. They needed to find out where this call was coming from before they could even figure out how to solve it. The caller appeared to know exactly what was going on in that office, so they concluded that he had to be nearby. Mm -hmm. After he took all the witness statements, he went back to the McDonald's. Now, at this time, cell phones were around, but hardly anyone had them, and payphones were used still on a daily basis. So he sees a payphone in front of a Winn-Dixie that was across the street from the McDonald's. And you can see the McDonald's from the payphone. So he thought this was the best possibility because he figured that the guy would want to watch the building to see how he was doing, you know, mm -hmm. get that power yeah. trip. And this whole time, you know, Buddy's thinking, what the fuck? Why? Why would this guy want to do like what the f Why? What could he possibly be getting out of this? Other than power, like, what the fuck? He thought he could possibly be a disgruntled former employee or someone maybe that knew Louise and was trying to play a prank on her for revenge or something stupid. He just didn't know at this point. He said his mind was running in 20 different directions. He, he just didn't know. So his next shift, he went through the witness statements to see if he could find anything that would help him in any way. At first, he thought, this is a needle in a haystack situation. Like, what the fuck was he going to do? Then he decided to search the internet. Got to remember, at this time, the internet was still very new. So this isn't something that would be like a no-brainer at this time. Yeah. So he kind of had to think, well, maybe I should look it up. So he searches McDonald's strip search. That's what he <laughs> looks up. <laughs> and boom, got a bunch of hit from all kinds of restaurants and other establishments that this has happened at. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? He said that they were all the same, and this guy even used the same name, Officer Scott, in some of the cases, but they all had the exact MO. Same thing. So we go to a McDonald's in Georgia. An older custodian performed a cavity search on a young female employee. Taco Bell in Arizona, manager picked out a... Um, the manager picked out a customer, a customer that matched the description on the phone and searched her. Every restaurant you could think of had a case 
as early as 1994. Oh, my gosh. It's now 2004. So he's like, oh, crap, this isn't a payphone at the Winn-Dixie store across our McDonald's, across the street from our McDonald's. So this is a, a turning point in his career, and everyone was looking at him to solve this. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so a side note for us real quick. They show a map of all the McDonald's that were hit, and the McDonald's in Pendleton was hit. It was? It was. So, like, when we were younger, like, right down the street from us, oh my this gosh. happened. Actually, I think it was at a Wendy's or something. It could have been the McDonald's. I don't know. Um, so, same hoax. Over 10 years, this has been going on. 69 restaurants. Buddy is back and says he was handed a case that was a monster and no one could solve it. But him. It was in his hands because he was fucking determined to solve this case. Okay, so they were afraid that this this could still be happening. And they had this bad guy. They thought he could they thought he could do whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. He'd been doing it for 10 years and he was going to keep going. He was worried about a sexual predator on the loose. Like, what more is he doing? And someone needed to stop this guy. So Buddy knew he needed to understand this M.O., so he started to dive into the cases from the past. So this is 1999, Blackfoot, Idaho, small farming town, pretty religious, and we see Elizabeth, and we're talking uh, about her hometown. She was call hoax number 26. She said she always felt safe, and she said the caller targeted these certain places, small towns that would be more willing to believe authority figures. She said she was also raised to obey authority. She was 16 when she got this job. She was a great employee and was so excited to be making her own money. Like, how cute. Yeah. It's horrible. So December 16th, 1999, it was just a cold weeknight. Suddenly she was called in the office by name. The manager told her that he was on the phone with an officer Davis from the Blackfoot Police Department and stated that a woman was in the establishment earlier that evening and her purse was stolen and there was a $50 bill in it. And she knows one of the servers took it. Uh, She said she wouldn't have ever stolen anything. Uh, Quote, unquote, this woman said it was a short blonde female server. So again, extremely vague. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, giving very basic descriptions. So Elizabeth started stating that, um, no, that wasn't me. I didn't do anything. No matter what she said, the officer had a reasonable, logical answer for everything she said. He wanted the clothes removed piece by piece, starting with shoes, then her pants, then her shirt. One item at a time. Lots of talk in between. The caller must have loved the progression mm-hmm. of this. Loved yeah. it. So he starts slowly seeing how much he can reel in, you know, and get them to do more and more and bigger and bigger things. Basically how far he can make them go. Exactly. So Elizabeth was getting hysterical at this point. And she says that she was like pleading that this isn't right. This is not right. Um, This seemed to anger the caller. And he started having the manager describe her body to him, what everything looked like, even her bra size. She snatched the phone from her manager and asked, 
what her bra size could possibly have anything to do with some allegedly stolen cash. Mm -hmm. Yes, girl. Thank you. She was pissed and didn't feel like she had the power to just get the fuck out of there. She just didn't feel like she could do that. Um, Then one of her coworkers came by and could tell something was off. So we meet Derek. He joins in again, 1999 jobs are limited in the small area town that he, you know, he was in. So he got a job at a pizza parlor. He was 22 at the time. And most of the wait staff was under 18. So he came in that night and said that he knew right away that something had happened. So he asked the cook what was going on because he saw, he saw no wait staff whatsoever. It was just the cook making pizzas and like they were piling up. There were to-go orders that were stacking up breadsticks for days, he said. And she said that something was going on in the office. So he goes toward the office and said he saw his manager and he will never forget the amount of sweat running off of this man, apparently. He said he had never seen anything like it. He also sees a young lady being strip searched and says, what the fuck are you doing? Then the manager's like, there's a cop on the phone. I'm doing a strip search for the police. Derek snatches the phone, says, who is this? The guy says, this is an officer from the Blackfoot Police Department. He said he sounded cool, calm, collected, like he did it every day. Mm-hmm. Then he says, the, the guy on the phone says to Derek, you of all people should know this manager should not be strip searching a female employee, especially a minor. And Derek's like, Okay, we need to get the real police here. And the guy hangs up. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth comes back on and says how grateful she is for his intervention. And it took, but it, but the fact that it took an outsider to witness what was happening, to speak out. Like, and a child. Exactly. Himself. Exactly. Uh, Derek was also pissed. And, you know, obviously Elizabeth too. So Derek says that in 1999, he, he thought the manager was for sure part of it for Mm, sure yeah he said but then learning how many times it had happened and for how long across several states there's just no way that he could have been involved his manager was just dumbass exactly just like walter and fucking donna yeah um he doesn't think that any victims were it were in on it either but they were just taken advantage of uh so elizabeth's back and she says that she went home and wrote everything she could remember down one thing that she wrote down was Quote, he just threatened and told me I could get in serious law trouble. Then he had me remove my pants. I felt incredibly violated in that he was disgracing my body. And she said that writing that was really hard for her. She learned that this wasn't a priority for the police and they weren't going to put any extra resources into finding this guy. So this is happening all the time, and this guy is just getting away with it. Are police even investigating it? Was anyone or was everyone reporting this? So Buddy's back, and he says this time they have proof that this happened. They have it on video, you know, his case in his hometown in Kentucky. Um, And none of the other cases did. So none of the other cases were on video. So at this point, he thought he was all alone. He thought he was the only person that was investigating this whatsoever. So now we're in 2004 um, in West Bridgewater, Massachusetts at Wendy's. He hit four Wendy's locations near this one town and tricked managers into giving illegal strip searches 
And in one case, a female manager was tricked into sexually assaulting a male server. And we meet Victor Flaherty, and he is a detective sergeant. So he's just talking about how horrible this all is. And if it happened to his child, how outraged he would be. He treats all cases as if it's his family. So he's fucking pissed and intrigued at the time. Or intrigued as well because of how bizarre the nature of this is. Uh, he usually handles drug cases and now he's tracking a hoax caller. So mm-hmm. he's like kind of like, hell yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, he has no ideas, no suspects, doesn't know what he's going to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> that would be super hard. It would be so, like, overwhelming. Because where the fuck do you start? Yeah. It's someone over the phone. Yeah. And these people are doing... I just... I can't wrap my head around I know. That. I know. These adult people. I know. Okay, so Buddy's back. And other than this video, he has no other other pieces of evidence until they star 69 that shit i remember star 69 heck yeah now it was actually an employee's idea um so yay employee so they had the number so buddy says if they didn't have this number in this case it would be dead in the dirt so yay for that employee it was his idea so he calls the number busy signal calls again busy signal he didn't have a lot of help and nothing to go on so Victor is back and basically saying the exact same thing Buddy is. It's a needle in a haystack. They don't know where to begin. And they think, both of them each think that they are working the case alone. And he didn't have anything to go on, but he was going to catch him. Like both Victor and Buddy are determined at this point to catch him. So the first lead in the case was phone records for the locations that were hit. They are all fake, so they still have nothing. Buddy gets on the phone with AT&T to see if he can get any information. And he was on the phone for like an hour and a half. Um, And he's on the phone with this lady. And she says she, um, she says, I think these might be our calling cards. So Buddy's excited now. He knows the calling cards are coming from AT&T. He doesn't know shit about calling cards, though. And no one else in that area did either. Like, you know, small town again. And they'd never had a case like this or a case that dealt with calling cards. So he kind of has to educate himself. And so he has to find how to track a prepaid calling card. Uh, So we're back to Victor. Victor's also calling AT&T. And he gets someone on the phone. And he says he needs to know the originating calling numbers for these calls. And she said they can't be traced. So he's like, that makes no sense. Uh, it's just so funny when when things like that come up from like the past. I know because now it's so easy. There's you can do anything. Absolutely, now. there's no way this shit would happen. Yeah, now. no way. Especially with how people are, they'd be like, um, no, bye. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> people, especially phone call fraud scam shit, like that's so common now. Yeah, and it probably was at the time, but you know. Again, this was like before really the internet caught on and smartphones were a thing and like people didn't communicate across the country or across the world. Well, it's just weird because 2007, that doesn't seem that far away. It wasn't that long ago. And from 2007 to now, I it's know. like 
totally different. It's a different world, literally. Yeah. Yeah. You've got so many people. That's all they do is their phones. Absolutely. There's video everywhere. 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 Yep. You can do anything. You can find anything. Yep. Yeah. It's just crazy. It is crazy. Okay. So... Victor's stumped. He he doesn't know what to do now. He says that doesn't make any sense. You should be able to track, you know, where these calls are coming from. But he says he was chasing a voice on the phone, but actually he was chasing an unknown phone number because he never actually heard the voice. So dead end after dead end, frustration after frustration, he was going to do whatever he needed to do to catch this guy, though. He is a bad guy. He doesn't know if he will try anything next he doesn't know if he's doing other things other than these calls so buddy's determined to get somewhere with this case so we're back to victor he's making so many phone calls and he's talked to michelle from at&t and he's like I've, i talked to michelle more than my wife at this point he's talking <laughs> to her all the time and she keeps telling him they, they can't be traced they can't be traced Okay, so he's making Michelle seem, like, not very helpful at this point. But then she finds out, and even the public doesn't know this, but after 9-11, the calling cards were now traceable. So anything he did after 9-11, they would be able to trace the call. And the call is coming from inside the house. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, they're calling from Panama City, Florida. Florida. Of course, yes. So now we're in Florida, and now Buddy knows where the calls are originating from. Very excited. Still coming from payphones, though, and numerous people use those every day, like at this point still. So Victor also knows um, what payphones are used and what times they were used and where this guy has been, but that's it. No actual guy. So again, back to square one, finding an actual suspect. So he talks to the local PD and they said that they have been getting multiple calls about hoaxes coming from that area. And that's how Victor learns that there are multiple cases with the same MO and he's shocked. So at this point, he didn't even know that there were, you know, places outside of his area that were getting calls like these. So he thinks this guy has practiced so much doing this and has learned what worked, what didn't. And he got better at it and better at it. And then it became like a drug, like he needed it. Um, And he didn't actually think he was a cop. However, he did get the last four out of four calls to do awful things. So he's definitely getting better. I just can't get over that. I know. It's insane. Uh, Especially these older people. Like at at that point in your life, you have got to start, like you have to think in a process. Like, okay, so there's a guy on the phone saying he's a police officer. Let's think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. You know, like you don't think like that. Like you just like, oh, okay. You know, like. I could see a police officer calling somebody. Sure. And maybe checking something or saying hey do you have an employee that matches this this description yeah exactly can you keep that employee at the restaurant until we get there yes period they're not gonna sit there and have you strip search somebody and they can't actually have you imprison them in the restaurant no so, like it's, it's that all... is that is against the law i'm sure it is that's false keeping someone trapped somewhere it is 100 just because there's a voice on the other end of the phone i know i know this is fucking crazy 
Okay, so now we're talking to Elizabeth again, and she's talking about how fucking embarrassing it was. Just the whole thing that, you know, she she thought that she, at that point she was the only one that this had happened to. She totally fell for it. Like, everybody fell for it. And she was just embarrassed. But then, you know, she did find that it had happened to several other people, and it did make her feel a little bit better, you know. Misery loves company. Yes. Um, but does. also still absolutely disgusting. Like, yeah. she can't believe it. So Buddy needed to know that this wasn't going to happen anymore. He needed to stop it. And Victor is also at a standstill. But both, neither one of them are giving up. So now he needs to buckle down and identify where the calling cards are from. And he, he figures out that they were bought at Walmart. Of course. Damn Walmart. In Florida. Florida. Panama Florida, City. Florida, Walmart. <laughs> Those two words are like... Oh, yikes. The yeah. same. Yeah. Um, and they were purchased on February 19th. I did find out, like, a while back that I meant to bring up. Apparently, Florida... Their newspapers do not go by the same laws as the rest of the country. That's why they can report such crazy fucking news. Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. I know. Huh. Thought I'd bring that up. Okay, anyway. So, the so really, it might not just be Florida. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just they're they're not following the same laws as the rest oh, of the country. Oh, well. Yeah. Learn something every day, <laughs> don't you? We're probably all just as fucked as Florida. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Victor's really hoping that this is a big break and they they needed it. It's a big company. Big companies have fucking cameras. So he calls Walmart, gets passed around from person to person until one guy says, yeah, I can totally fucking get you that. He gets in the tape and it was not what he was expecting at all. So this tape was probably used over six months, several, you know, locations in the store. So it's just like the flashing departments, you know, over and over and over again. So, and no cameras at the registers. Oh, man. So it wouldn't work. So Buddy's back and he actually calls Victor. So um, him and Victor get together. Victor says he knew right away he wasn't from Boston because Victor's from Boston and Buddy has a bit of a Southern accent. (laughs) So he was actually surprised that someone else had gotten as far as he did because Victor and Buddy are like both just as determined to find this guy as the other, you know, the other one. So they're just as invested and they were both so happy to find each other and, you know, someone that was just as invested as they were. Mm -hmm. So Victor starts sharing with Buddy that he can trace the calling cards, the originating numbers, and Buddy said that he started the call like they were not going to solve this at all, but ended the call like, oh, fucking yeah, we're going to solve this. So they're excited. Vic calls AT&T and starts to tell Michelle about Buddy's case, which was even more horrific than the ones they had already talked about. And she tells them that those calling cards were purchased from a different Walmart location than the original ones. So he calls the Walmart, and the first thing he asks is, do you have register cameras? And they say yes. Woo-hoo. So next week, tune in to the second part of our happy hour, and we will see if we catch this guy or find any suspects God. whatsoever. So unbelievable. You know... Is it even a crime? I mean, obviously it it, it so okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
So this guy, basically all he's doing is talking people into doing. Yes. Now he's impersonating a cop, which is against the law. Yes. But is anything else he's doing? Actually illegal? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. The only, it seems to me like the only really illegal part is these dumbasses that are doing what he says. Well, and like I said, we'll we'll get into, there's there's a trial, there's several trials yeah. there, you know, we'll get into that and we'll, you know, we'll talk about it. There's also a study that was done a long time ago that is extremely interesting. We're going to meet more victims. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It, the whole thing is fucking crazy. And I mean, oh my God, I just, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But also, I do want to just reiterate the fact that the whole thing is fucking infuriating. Mm. Every bit of it. So, take that as you will. You know? Yeah. So... But yeah, this 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 was definitely crazy. It was it was not what I was expecting. And you know, you might also second guess where you purchase your fast food going forward too after mm-hmm. next week because oh. if you go to McDonald's, you might want to rethink that because they're all pieces of shit. Oh god. So, yeah, just keep that in mind. The whole thing's just fucked up and it just it makes you so mad. And it's it like it's unbelievable how stupid people can be and how they don't think things through and process things and like just hesitate for a second and think this is wrong. Like what what well, moral- like I said when it right when it gets to the part where they're making you take your clothes off at work. Yeah, no, that <laughs> that should be like wait um wait a minute. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not doing that. I'll wait for the cops to get here. Exactly, exactly. Because that's fucking bullshit i know i know yeah the whole thing i was just my mouth was hanging open the entire time it was crazy (laughs) well you definitely picked a good one oh good i'm glad i hope you guys enjoy it um we do still need your stories so you can send those in ghoulsnight.podcast at gmail.com you can look us up on facebook and request to join the group even though we don't check it ever (laughs) sorry about about that yeah i was like for years i was but now it's very very like not often but yeah go ahead and and do that and (laughs) we'll talk to you next week later (laughs) bye